Welcome to the Science of Parenting podcast, where we connect you with research-based information that fits your family. I'm Lori Cordles, parent of three in two different life stages. Two are launched and one is still in high school. And I'm a parenting educator. And I'm Mackenzie Johnson, parent of two littles with their own quirks. And I'm a parenting educator. Today, we'll talk about the realities of raising a family and how research can help guide our parenting decisions. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited to have you here. Our last episode of the season. I know. All of this to bring us to the great guidance and discipline debate at the end. We're done debating. Yeah. (laughs) No more debate. No more (laughs) debate. Right? All done. Yeah. We've looked at it from a lot of different ways. And, you know, last week in particular, looking at some of the different ages and how mm-hmm. our kids' age and development affects our parenting. And, well, we're going to kind of do a little season recap almost in the middle here. So yeah, I, don't need to do, I don't need to give a whole one now, I guess. All right. Okay. So <laughs> just a reminder again that all this season, our research citations and information came from a book called The Handbook of Parenting. Yes. Oh. Remember, we have volume five. And it's edited by Mark Bornstein, specifically the chapter on um, discipline. Discipline. That's what we've been talking about. Discipline. It's the chapter on discipline by Jennifer oh Lansford. My goodness. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was thinking about the next chapter that that we get to write. So anyway, ooh, that's ooh. you have to stay tuned. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes. today we are going to finish up by talking about which discipline strategies to use in which situations? Hmm. Finally. Yes. And honestly, this whole season, we've been building to this, right? Like, yes. this is the question we have as parents is, how do I decide what to do in a given situation? Mm-hmm. Particularly after like, okay, my child did something I didn't like. How do I discipline? Mm-hmm. We know this is the question you have and we know you've been waiting for us to answer it. But there's all this stuff we needed to talk about in order to inform it. So yes, mm, yes. we're excited to share it. Yeah. So um, as a little recap, you've heard parts of this before, but to kind of kick us off thinking about how we decide on discipline, we're going to look at some research here again from Lansford. She says that one of the most important ways that as parents we shape our kids' behavior is through the use of proactive discipline mm-hmm. to encourage desired behavior for the future and reactive discipline to respond to misbehavior after it occurs. Yes. So she also tells us that effective discipline is characterized by being proactive more often than reactive, using reasoning to help children understand the impact of their actions and avoiding corporal punishment. So we use both, right? So yes, the more proactive strategies strategies we use, the more effective. Mm Mm-hmm. Discipline happens, things happen, right? It's more effective. But we do have to use reactive strategies as well because the reality is misbehaviors happen, right? Yes. Yes. And we're going to talk a little later about how we do use proactive strategies after because Mm -hmm. we're planning for future behavior. So both coexist. But when we have the opportunity to teach what's desired and to think about teaching for future behavior. You're right. But it doesn't mean we never use proactive and it doesn't mean that we always remember to use reasoning instead of a like forceful strategy. It means what's most effective is proactive and reasoning and those things. (laughs) Which, you know, brings us right to our first piece of research, which says that parents don't use just one 
single form of discipline, not, not just one, but we yes. actually vary our responses depending on the child's misbehavior, as well as kind of the context that the misbehavior and situation occurs in. Yes. And I think so often when it feels like there's like a big debate around a discipline strategy, we're looking at one strategy, right? Like people yes. like, spank or don't spank, time out or don't. Like, yeah. and we're talking grounding or not grounding, like one specific, often reactive strategy that's up for debate. And this realization that we are not using one strategy all the time. Mm -hmm. you, like if you're a parent who's using timeout, you're not using it every single time something happens. We have this repertoire, this toolbox mm -hmm. of lots of strategies. And even in one situation, we're not using just one. We're using no. several. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so there was a study, a little dorky. want to talk about this <laughs> specific study. But I thought it outlined the things that influence how we decide beautifully. So in this study, they did like these open-ended, in-depth responses from parents. Uh, the parents of, they were in Hong Kong and Taiwan, but basically they watched these little videos and vignettes of a child misbehaving. And then they asked the parents, open-ended, how would you respond? Like, what would your discipline look like if this was your child? And so they look at all these responses, they put them together, and they talk about why and how the parent came to that decision. And so basically... Parents, particularly this study was mothers, they endorsed different forms of discipline depending on a lot of different factors. So what helped them decide what they were going to do? These are the four things they listed out on what influenced it, okay? Okay, the first I love one, these. I love right? these. I love a list. <laughs> I know. I love a list. Um, it's almost a framework. <laughs> yeah, almost. Um, so the first one was the setting in which the misbehavior occurred. So it influenced their discipline, whether they were at home, mm -hmm. in public, at school or childcare. Right. Um, so where it happened, the setting. The second one was who was present at the time of the misbehavior. Was it just me and my child? Were we with mm -hmm. extended family? Were we, again, with strangers versus an acquaintance or friends? Um, so who was present? Also, I think this one's so important. Uh, which rules or conventions were violated? Mm. Right. So was this mm -hmm. a safety concern? Was it related to our child's health? Was it related to what we feel like is socially acceptable? Like get off the ground, right? <laughs> <laughs> what's socially acceptable is another one or even what's moral, right? This is like wrong mm. or right according mm -hmm. to our values. And then the last one was the possible outcomes of the behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So if my child's misbehaving and I really don't feel like it's hurting anybody too much um, or anything like that, that affects it versus if I feel like they will get hurt. They will hurt someone else. It's mm -hmm. inappropriate, um, right? It doesn't belong in this social social situation. Um, and so, yeah, those four, again, reasons that parents listed, they said the setting it happened in, whether that's at home or in public, who was present when the misbehavior happened, mm -hmm. what rules or conventions were violated, and the possible outcomes. And there's another one, actually. There's a fifth. I said four earlier. There's a fifth one. Okay. How much conflict was involved? Ooh. So you. was it like a big power struggle mm -hmm. and that affected our discipline strategy? Or was it just like, a, oh, mm, mm, come on, get off the ground. <laughs> yes. Right. So the amount of conflict is another one. Yes. And so again, all season we've been talking about things that influence our discipline, but these five factors influence how we decide yes. on what discipline strategy we reach for. And if you think about the questions, oftentimes as parenting educators, we get questions like, okay, so what do you do when? 
Yes. And the very first thing that goes through my mind is, okay, I have to ask, okay, how old's the child? Where were you? Okay. Who was all there? You yes. know, what, you know, what is the, the context, right? <laughs> and so I think that this list, this, just this study in general shows that it's way bigger than, okay, what do you do if, right? Yeah. There's, there's so many impacts to that decision. And I think you make a great point that sometimes we get questions about a behavior that we might toss to somebody else on our team because it's like, one, maybe I don't relate. Or like, as a parent, that's not something I feel strongly about. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't mean that another parent should not. But Correct. it means it can be different for us. And so the context mm -hmm. around, well, that's not a value in our family. Right? Mm -hmm. And so that's not conflict for us. And so we might pass to somebody else on the team who has a little bit more. And I just think like, there's a lot of things. Yeah, there's a mm -hmm. lot of context factors. Who, what, where, what's the age? Um yeah, there's so many things that influence what we reach for. There is, there is. And that we may not be reaching for just one, because that's the second part of the study, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There, yeah. The other thing, yeah, the other thing that they found mm -hmm. is that when parents were responding, right? So they asked them, what would you do in this situation? Parents didn't necessarily, sometimes parents said, like, I would do this one specific thing. Other times parents said, okay, I would do this. And if that, if that doesn't work, I would do this, right? So they had, like, a backup or contingency. Yeah. The backup or, plan, right? Or <laughs> to the backup put, plan. <laughs> yes. They also might put several strategies together, right? Like, yes, this, this, and this. And if you don't choose, I will choose. And they put together lots of strategies. And so it's not, I thought that this was just like a huge aha for me. And it's mm -hmm. not, yeah, it's not fancy. It's not technical, but it's not one thing. It's, it's not. It's lots it's of not. things. Discipline is lots of things. Sometimes all at once sometimes separated out in different contexts and that a lot of things influence how we decide. They do. And so this is the part where we break your heart. If you came <laughs> today thinking <sighs> that we were going to give you the one right answer on what to do if, right? Yeah. This is where we say, <gasps> okay, so guess what? There are actually lots of options for you to do mm. what happens what? if. <laughs> Yes. So what if we back up through the season episodes and yes. then pull out some strategies? Yes. We're not saying we're not going to give you any strategies. Yeah. <laughs> we're just saying we're not going to give you the strategy the for the situation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, yes, let's look at, you know, we said lots of things influence. We listed them out and from that study, what they found. But also we pulled out from our team each episode. We were basically pulling at the things mm -hmm. that we thought were important that impact our discipline decisions. So in the first episode, you might remember. Uh, we really talked about, there was this quote that I really liked that I wanted to share again, that we promote compliance by having a responsive relationship with our child where their dissent is heard and respected. So again, re and respected. So again, we're going back to authoritative parenting. Mm -hmm. um, but you also might remember that our strategy that week was that there's three different types of discipline. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, this is kind of the answer to the question of like, what if, like what strategy if? And they basically told us the most effective of the types is reasoning. Mm -hmm. When we can reason with our kids. And so that was a really important takeaway from episode one is understanding what discipline is, uh, you know, the relationship that forms around it. And mm -hmm. we can use reasoning. We can reason. And yes. then the, the second episode, we talked a little bit about how important history was. And when we look mm -hmm. at our history and we look at the things that influence our decisions, they could be our own personal traits, our own personality traits, our child's traits, 
our child's abilities, and even our culture. Those are all things that influence how we decide on what discipline strategies to use. Absolutely. And the idea of certain behaviors elicit certain responses from us, which is Mm -hmm. episode three is emotions, right? We talked about as parents, we have to make that intentional choice to regulate our behavior or emotions so that they appropriately match a given situation. In this episode, we also learned about the three different types of strategies for aligning our goals with our child, which Mm -hmm. is cooperative, empathetic, or forceful. So then episode four, we really looked at the parent-child relationship. We looked at the climate of the relationship and how it affects our children's response to our attempts to guide them, right? (sighs) To guide and shape their behavior. We also looked at some situational compliance or that short-term compliance versus that committed or long-term internalization of our rules. Yes. Okay. And since <laughs> since we recorded that episode, there is a study in it basically like through all of the episodes, I kept moving this quote down. I'm like, we can't not say it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a study and we talk, you know, the first the first tidbit of this episode, we talked about avoiding corporal punishment. We've mentioned it a few times throughout the season. And one of the reasons is this concept we talked about of committed versus situational compliance. So I want to tell you about this study that's a the example. I love this um, example. This example. Okay. So in this study, um, parents of two to five-year-olds, they were wearing audio recorders. And so okay. they wore it over six days and they were recording all of the interactions. They were looking specifically for instances of corporal punishment or spanking. And so they did find that there were families that were using it, of course. Mm-hmm. And what they found interestingly, of those instances where parents used corporal punishment, about 75% of the time, kids were misbehaving again within 10 minutes. Within uh, 10 minutes. 10 that is minutes. that is the definition of situational but it worked, compliance. Mackenzie, but it worked. Exactly. And so in a sense, <laughs> you're right. That did stop that behavior in the immediate, mm-hmm. but 75% of the time in that age group, with that study, with that age group of two to five-year-olds, mm-hmm. it was not working, right? And it happened because again, 10 minutes, 10 minutes again, later. 10 minutes again, it was happening. <laughs> yes. And so that whole concept of situational versus committed compliance mm-hmm. is a big part. And our parent-child relationship is what affects it, right? Yes. yes. Um, whether they internalize that or whether it's, uh, well, I'll stop for a little bit so you we stop this thing, right? So I yes. stopped getting in trouble this way. Yes. So, okay, I couldn't all season. It was like, this I love it. doesn't go here. And I was like, we can't not say it. <laughs> it fascinated me to no end. Oh, okay. So yes, the situational compliance, the parent-child relationship. And last week we looked at, we kind of defined the thing called developmentalist perspective. Yes. This idea that we look at kids, kids' age, abilities, and development to help inform how we use privileges Mm -hmm. and responsibilities and discipline. Um, You know, and we also looked at some strategies for different ages and why Mm -hmm. it makes sense for that age. So we already tiptoed, you know, each episode, I hope you've gotten a few strategies and ideas based on what we were looking at. But, you know, the whole season was coming together for the big question, you know, is not Mm -hmm. just what do we do? Like what, not just what strategies do we use, but like, what do I do when? Because mm-hmm. those are the questions we have as parents, right? Like, yes, this tricky thing is happening. What do I do now? Yes. And so 
that's where we're headed. We told you, we promised we promised. <laughs> that we were coming towards more <laughs> strategies. We hope you've picked up a few along the way. But so we're going to look, we're going to go back to this idea of proactive and reactive strategies. Again, proactive being thinking about future behavior, reactive being about behavior that's already happened, how we respond yes. after. All and right. So, so I'll, I'll say start. we have, yes, okay. yes, but we have some, we're going to talk about a list and we want it to, I actually said earlier, I want it to be a little bit annoyingly exhaustive. I want people <laughs> to hear that there's all kinds of choices. We don't use one strategy. We use lots. Um, yes. But Barb also gave us the language of like, these are options. Yes. These are choices. These are things mm -hmm. you can tap into. They're ideas. This is not fully exhaustive, mm -hmm. but we wanted to put together some strategies. So yeah, Lori, now I'm ready. Kick us off okay. with some proactive strategies. Okay. Let the list <clears throat> begin, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. So thinking about trying to, you know, get ahead of the misbehavior. All right. So one way that we can do this, proactive strategy number one, acknowledging and praising when our child has a desired behavior. So it's that, mm -hmm. you know, catch them being good, right? Yeah. Proactive strategy. Before the behavior happens, catch them doing something that you really want them to do. Mm -hmm. A second way that we can, the second strategy is talking about the expected <clears throat> behavior before we go in to a new place or situation, right? So we're prepping them. We're giving that lead time. We're telling them what we expect of them before we send them in. Yes. And then the third one is simply spending quality time with your child. Because essentially what you're doing while you're spending quality time with them is you're modeling behaviors that you desire, correct? Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to give a situation, an example, and show when you might use one of these proactive strategies. So yes. I'm going to choose the second strategy, talking about the expected behavior before you go into the new place or situation. So I'm thinking specifically about my child about the age of six. All right. Mm. So it's about a school ager going into the doctor. Now, here's the deal. At age six, they maybe haven't been to the doctor in a while unless they've been ill. Right. Yes. So infants and toddlers, they go in a lot to <laughs> take care of their well child checks. <clears throat> so this school ager, it's been a while. And at this school age child, well child check, you know that, um, you know, they're going to feel apprehensive. They don't like going. There might be misbehaviors. There could yes. be crying, tantruming, running. Right. So proactive strategy. Talk about the expected behaviors before we go. What is it that I want my child to do? Do I want them to walk in with me holding my hand because I know that they're going to feel uncomfortable? Do I expect them to use a quiet voice? Do I expect them to sit in the chair um, and not lay on the floor kicking and screaming, right? And so talking with them ahead of time about what it is I expect. Okay, I got to share. <laughs> Just last week, I was taking both of my kids to the doctor. Oh, goodness. Um, For, you know, just like, just the stuff that's always going around with kids. Yes. Uh, it occurred to me, I was trying to tell them, prepare them ahead of time. Proactive yes. strategy. What to expect the doctor. Mm -hmm. um, the, like, what the doctor was going to want to look at. And I could not share this because I thought it was so smart and I want to tell everybody else. <laughs> we sang the head, shoulders, knees, and toes. 
And I said, the things the doctor is probably going to look at. Mm -hmm. That little verse of like eyes and ears and mouth and nose. And so we sang that in the car. We (laughs) talked about how it was going to be. I mean, one of my kids still lost their mind a little bit when they needed to get the swab (laughs) and the uncomfortable. Right. Uh, But. It was a little proactive. It you was shared proactive. that example. I was like, oh, I just did yes. this. <laughs> proactive. Way to go. Gold star. Thanks. Excellent. Thanks. <laughs> but uh, this is a tool other parents could share with their kids. Yes. Too. A song they might know. A song, Head and Shoulders, Knees and Toes. So they can remember. Yes. Oh, sorry. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. A few more proactive strategies. The idea of having consistent like routines and rules mm-hmm. and structure. Right. That our kids know what to expect, when to expect it. There's some regularity of things. Right. That consistency. We've talked before about Mm -hmm. how that's important. And that routines and structure are a way to provide that consistency. Yes. So that's a proactive strategy. Um, They know what time they need to get out of bed. They know when I come home, we'll do this next. Uh, I know you'll feed me supper. Right. Um, And then modeling our desired behaviors. That's a proactive strategy. When I am showing you, this is how you do something. Mm -hmm. This is how you ask for a turn. This is how you tell someone I don't like that. Um, So modeling those behaviors. Another one is active listening. So when your child brings a concern to you, and I've seen this phrase go around of like, when you're there for your kids with their big moments, that's stuff when they're little, that's how they know they can come to you with their big stuff when they're big. Um, But being an active listener, even if it's, I was mad that so-and-so did this, all the way up to, I'm really uncomfortable with the situation that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But being an active listener builds that relationship. That's important proactive strategy. And mm-hmm. then one of my favorites I'm always leaning into is this, what's your plan? Right? I love that. A yes. proactive strategy of like, okay, I could see how what we're talking about could lead to a future problem. Yes. What's your plan? <laughs> what's like, your plan? What's the plan? <laughs> um, so as we were walking through these, we said, okay, each time we'll try to share a time when we maybe might use one of these strategies. So mm-hmm. actually the example that came to mind was like not getting ready. Oh, yes. The age, I feel like that is universal for kids like five plus. <laughs> you need to be ready when we need to get somewhere, right? Okay. Maybe it's not universal. <laughs> it's my problem, I guess. <laughs> but trying to get somewhere on time. So right, the routines, that mm-hmm. idea can be really beneficial. They know what time they need to be somewhere. There's structure around it. Even if it's just telling a teen, you need to be downstairs with shoes and backpack on by mm-hmm. this time. Yes. That might be the routine. Yes. It might be we all eat breakfast together. It might be that is not the case in my house. FYI, <laughs> we don't yeah. all eat breakfast together. Um, but also modeling that behavior. Am I ready when I say I'm going to be ready? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I'll pick you up at this time. Am I there at that time? Yes. Um, so modeling those behaviors. And then again, it can be the what's your plan like, all right, you don't want to wake up at 6.30 a.m.? Mm-hmm. What's going to be your plan for getting to school? Because that's right. the only option um, if you're coming with me. And so just using those proactive strategies, I think, as we think, you know, even like in the title of the episode of like when they misbehave, right? After it happens. And we still use proactive strategies. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move into, you know, those reactive strategies after. But we can still use proactive strategies because we're looking at the future behavior. So, like, yes. yes, you didn't wake up on time today. Or, yes, you weren't ready when you said you would be. Or you were throwing a fit when we tried to go somewhere new, whatever it is. And we can use proactive strategies to address that for the future. We can. Next time we do this. Or the plan moving forward will be. So, those proactive strategies are still a response. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just looking further ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
-hmm. Okay, so reactive strategies then, the strategies that we can use after a misbehavior happens, mm -hmm. right? Again, we don't just use just one. We might yep. choose several. We might have backup plans <laughs> A through P, Q, yes. R, S, right? So a couple of them, um, we'll, I'll, I'll talk about a couple, I'll give an example, yep. and we'll do it kind of the same way. So the first one I have is timeout coupled with time in. Okay. So it's effective, especially when you have that time in afterwards to really talk about, you know, what was the misbehavior? What was it that we saw? Um, a second one is along with that explaining desired behavior. What mm. is it you want them to do? We've, we've talked about that several <laughs> of the episodes this season. Yes. What do you want them to do? Mm -hmm. And then a third one might be logical and natural consequences. Okay. So, you know, what logically <laughs> happens when this misbehavior occurs? Okay. Mm -hmm. So my example is going to be along with chores. Okay. Again, kind of that school age. I mean, but preschoolers can have chores. Yes. Um, teens, everyone. Okay. Adult chores. Right. So what happens <laughs> when the, uh, unexpected occurrence happens? This never happens, right? Chores don't get never, done. never. So what happens when chores don't get done? Logical consequences. Okay. Chores don't get done. Well, then you don't get to go to your friend's house. Logical yes. consequence. Chores don't get done. Mm, you don't get the car tonight. Mm, mm -hmm. Logical consequence. Chores don't get done. Uh, well, then we don't have time to go to the movie because now we have to do the chores. Yes. Logical consequences. Okay. Natural consequences. Chores don't get done. You can't find your favorite pair of shoes because mm -hmm. you didn't pick up your clothes or put away your clothes, put away your toys, right? Natural consequences, your favorite toy got stepped on and broken because you didn't put it away. Mm -hmm. okay? Natural consequences, chores didn't get done, which means we don't have the right pots and pans to make dinner <laughs> yes. because they're dirty from last <laughs> night's dinner, right? Yes. So not logical and natural consequences um, mm -hmm. is a reactive strategy to children or adults misbehavior. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yes. one of our favorites. That's got to be one, like, yeah. that's got to be in my like top tippy top. Yeah. Those natural and logical consequences. Yes. And lots yes. of the other things we list out are logical and natural consequences. Absolutely. <laughs> fall under that category. Uh, okay. A few more. One is grounding, but making mm -hmm. sure that if we're using a strategy for grounding, that it is logical. Mm -hmm. um, that it's related to the misbehavior, um, related to the event that happened. Um, so being intentional with grounding, that it's not just the default. Yes. Especially you're grounded. Teens. Why? Um, I don't know, but you're grounded. <laughs> yeah. And maybe they know what the behavior was for why they're grounded, yes. but like, why am I grounded for that, for this? Right. Right. Yes. Um, yes. So being, being intentional with grounding in a way that makes sense. Another similar one is taking away privileges. Um, you know, that usually I would let you do this yourself or usually mm -hmm. um, you have freedom with this. Uh, we might need to take that away if a child is not demonstrating that behavior. And then another one, which we might not always think of, but this falls into that empathetic category, is just giving our kids acknowledgement and empathy that like, mm -hmm. I could see why you chose to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so an example that I think of is, you know, kind of like school age teen of, you know, maybe you hear your child was not behaving in a way you like. Hmm. Maybe it was at the basketball game. Maybe it was with their friends at the playground. Maybe, right, somewhere you weren't at practice. Mm -hmm. um, and you find and out you they, got the call. And you got the call, <laughs> you right? Got the call. Um, and 
And so I think how we respond to that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, maybe it was, you know, you weren't. I heard at the basketball game that you were doing this. I think that that means that I'm not ready. Maybe you're not ready to go without an adult. Mm -hmm. Maybe next time, if you'd like to go to the game, it's going to have to be with one of us to make mm -hmm. sure that you can follow those rules. Or, you know, it can even be, you know, I could see why I see why you did that. I, you know, a bunch of your friends were all doing it and mm -hmm. you got caught up in that. And, you know, I could see how that happened and that's not okay. Right. You can empathize and acknowledge it. Um, you know, so it also could be, you know, I don't think you can go this weekend to that event because this time you weren't making good choices there and I need mm -hmm. to keep you safe. Um, yes. And so, but that it's paired with the reasoning, I think is really the important part of these strategies that it's logical to a misbehavior. If you're going to use grounding or taking away privileges, it's logical and it is to prevent future misbehavior. Mm -hmm. um, that it's not just you were quote unquote bad so I will punish you, right? It's it's logical and it's about shaping behavior rather than yes. just, I didn't like you did that. Mm -hmm. um, so pairing those with reasoning, um, and I do we huh, we get that we get those calls. <laughs> we do. We hope we don't, but they we happen. hope we don't, but we do. Yes. Yep. Um, okay, so a couple more are of course our flagship strategy of stop, breathe, talk. Right. Stop. Take a moment. Take a deep breath or three and then finding the purpose and being intentional about what you want your child's behavior to be. Stop, breathe, talk. Yes. Another one would be distraction or redirecting. We talk about that a lot with infants and toddlers, but you can use distraction and redirection at yes. any age, right? Just it can give you a moment. It can give yeah. you a moment, right? This can be paired with something distract redirect while i take a moment to stop breathe talk and then yeah i even think thoughts. the preteen or teen meltdown yes like, okay something is happening here all right yes. let's put this on pause and let's yes hold on distract. we gotta figure this out Hang this on. <laughs> yes all ages and then another one <laughs> is one of my favorites the idea that well you can choose or i'll choose and if i choose i'm gonna choose this Mm -hmm. So an example in particular, along with, of course, my favorite Trilo example, which you can listen to in several other episodes, right? But is this idea of safety, right? Sometimes we have children who do not want to get in their car seat. They do not mm -hmm. want to do something. And what it is that they want to do is not safe. And so how do we, how do we take that moment of, okay, wait a second, this is not safe for them. Uh, an example, when my children were young, probably preschool and older toddler, we were at a small town parade. And if you know about parades, you know that there are many vehicles driving <laughs> through the roads of the parade, albeit very slowly, but still they're not watching for young children who may be dashing out into the street to gather the candy uh -huh. that's being thrown from the vehicles, right? So that is not safe for a late toddler or a yes. preschooler, you know, Granted, they're watching the older children and adults race out into the street for candy. But so for mm -hmm. my for my situation at this point in time, that was a place where I definitely used with my children. OK, you can choose to pick up the candy right here by us, right near the curb, away from the vehicles, or I get to choose for you. So you can choose to stay right beside me and pick up the candy that comes to you, not running out in the street right here beside me, or I choose. And what I'm going to choose is that we will go back and sit in the car until the parade is over. 
Yeah. So that same situation can be utilized with the car seat. You can choose to climb into the car seat or I will choose. And if I choose, not only will you, will I put you in the car seat, but I will also need to, you know, remove the toy that you're going to play with. And yes. so using those pairing them, having a backup plan, especially in those unsitu- unsafe situations. Mm-hmm. And I think the other beauty that I have found and since using this technique when we talked about it in our temperament season, I mean, and before that, but especially in the temperament season of the, okay, these are the two choices. You can climb into your car seat or I will help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't choose, I'll choose. Sometimes my kids say, well, you just choose. Well, you just choose. Yes. Right. Sometimes my kids are like, yes, just choose. Um, yes. And I think that's also another thing that's powerful about this strategy is like, I I can't like I'm overwhelmed. And, yes, but but that it's like, <laughs> like we get it, right? <laughs> like oh, I feel you. Yes. <laughs> but I also that's another thing I love about this strategy that I've found in using it is like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, sure, I'll choose, I'll help you, <laughs> I'll choose, right? All right, and then a few more. Like I said, I wanted this list to be almost annoyingly long (laughs) so a few more one is i messages which we've um, talked about just recently even Mm -hmm. Uh, but things that explain the impact of a child's behavior and that i messages are an effective Mm -hmm. way to communicate about that another one is finding a common goal between you Mm -hmm. and your child so even after a misbehavior as you think about what you do want to happen finding the goal that you and your child share around it even if the means to get it isn't necessarily what you're agreeing on Yes. And then finally, the shared problem solving opportunities for your kids to be like, OK, this you can say, all right, this is not going to keep happening. How are we going to come to a solution, you know, to change it to something else? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the one that I think about in terms of, all right, what's a my child did this and now I need to do something. Homework. I mm. think homework is a big homework. one around this. Right. Yes. Like yes. maybe you find out. I mean. It is most of the way through the semester and you found out your child hasn't turned in any homework or mm-hmm. has turned in all of it late or right. Or you find out they've been lying about having it mm-hmm. and then they don't do it at home. Yes. Um, there's all kinds of situations around homework that I think particularly these strategies can come in mind. You know, I think even finding the common goal can be as simple as you want to go to college and we're going to need grades or you want to go to trade school or you want Mm -hmm. to go into the military. Um, But whatever that goal is that like we have this, I want good things for you. And this Mm -hmm. is the thing you want. We actually align here. We do find a way to get there together. (laughs) Um, And I think looking at it, that shared problem solving of like, this is us against the problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. The problem is you have to do homework. You can't fail all these classes. Yes. It's an expectation in our family that you graduate from high school what do we need to do together to get there? What's yes. your plan? <laughs> yes. Right. But I do think also the I messages, I don't think we always think about this with situations like homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might think of them around like back talk, like I expect this. Yes. Um, but again, the I message can be as simple as I expect you to turn in your homework. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect you to apply yourself more to school because I know you're capable of this. Mm-hmm. Um And, but those I messages around what you expect or what you feel, what you like, I'm concerned that, um, you won't get to play volleyball because your grades won't be good enough to be on the team. I'm concerned that, right. And so those opportunities for I messages are there, um, in all kinds of situations, but we wanted to think through this list and what are some of the things that as parents we're often responding to. 
-hmm. unsafe behavior, not meeting expectations, right? Uh, not following social convention, even like you need to dress appropriately yes. or you need to speak appropriately, or this is a place where you need to be quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's all different kinds of what we might define. Again, we can define it differently than other parents, but what we, mm -hmm. we might define as a misbehavior. And so we've got lots of strategies, both proactive and reactive. We do. That you can choose. And But remember, all of those things are going to influence it. The unspoken aspects like your traits, your child's traits, the emotions that are a part of it, the broader relationship is going to affect how your child responds to your discipline attempts. And then, of course, their age is a factor. So we hope that you have lots of strategies in your toolbox. And you know what? Maybe you don't need 10 of these. I don't even know how many. 20. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you don't need them right now, but maybe you do in a few months or in, or yes. in a few years. Um, yes. And so we do. We hope that you've heard some things that help you understand how you make this decision, what influences those factors. Um, because yeah, we do, we do decide on discipline and how we can guide our kids' behaviors all day, every day. <laughs> Oof, many times when they're behaving a day, right? in a way, right? Even yes. when they're behaving in a way we like, yes, we can praise it. We can acknowledge it. There's all day, every day, <laughs> all day, every day. Yes. Big decisions. All right. So I guess that brings us to our stop, breathe, talk time in our episode. And this is where we bring in someone to share some additional thoughts with us. And this week we are bringing in our writer, Barb Dunn Swanson, and she's going to share some thoughts with us. Hi, Barb. Hey, girls. What are you Great. thinking? <laughs> I'm always thankful when you worry about what I'm thinking. <laughs> Today, I'm really reflective as this has been a, a real reflection on the whole season of guiding children and guiding teens and guiding our school agers. But it really goes back to the parents. It's mm -hmm. our responsibility to uh, provide the discipline and the guidance that these people in our lives need. And every mm -hmm. family's journey will be so different. That's yes. what that's what was so exciting about the toolbox of of different approaches. That toolbox with all of the different approaches is so necessary because what works for my family just might not work for yours, Mackenzie or mm -hmm. Lori. What works for your teens may not work for the neighbors, mm -hmm. the neighborhood kids. Yes. So mm -hmm. having the toolbox is essential. But parents are the first educators of their children, and they're mm -hmm. tasked with providing the boundaries yes, and the guidance good. and applying those consequences when necessary. Mm -hmm. But what's exciting is that it isn't just a one-stop shop. We've got all kinds of uh, strategies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing I think about is how those um, values play into the whole discussion. Yes. For families, they're deciding what they're going to do based on their family values. They so are. if their family values honesty, they're going to expect some uh, the lines of communication to be open. And when a an undesired behavior happens, there might be some long talks about what went wrong and how are we going to fix it? How are we going to repair? And, you know, all of the things you've already talked about, that <laughs> might be just a values discussion. 
Yes. You know, it's honesty. It's telling the truth. It might be a value of kindness and caring for our siblings. Mm -hmm. It might be the value of respect. Lori, I've heard (laughs) you talk about how important it is. Respect. That's one of your key foundational Mm -hmm. uh, values. I've heard you mention it on many occasions, and it's such an um, endearing one because we all Mm -hmm need to know we're respected and um, even the kids, kids need to be respected. Yes, Yes, absolutely. The values are so important. And then the Mm -hmm. other thing I really think about is how important it is for our kids to know that all of this is grounded in the love we have for them, for their health and well-being. Absolutely. Yes. Right? Yes. It's all about, it's all about health and well-being. As a society, we want kids who grow up and can um, be successful and can contribute mm-hmm. back to our society, right? Mm-hmm. That takes discipline. It takes inner uh, discipline to be able to do that. And where does it start? It starts early. It starts with the family. And so mm-hmm. families, I'm hoping you'll uh, check out all of the resources of the science of parenting. We have a blog We have these podcasts that you're enjoying. We have print publications that might be helpful. We have workshops that you can attend virtually or perhaps in a community near you. Mm -hmm. But the point is, we want to make sure that you have the resources you need when you need them. (laughs) And we are just a a phone call or an email away. Please don't ever hesitate to reach out to us. Awesome. Thanks so much, Barb. Thanks, Barb. You're welcome. I always enjoy uh, jumping on with you and just um, kind of summarizing a little bit of the Mm -hmm. goodness that you Mm -hmm. spoke about. And this season has really, really been been, uh, full of good information. And it might be one of the seasons that we have to take a listen to a couple of times. And that's, yeah. that's there's a lot here. Yeah. There's a yes. lot here. Thank you very much to, all, to you so for much. what you do. Thank Aww. you. You too. <laughs> oh, so that kind of brings us, yeah, a wrap on this season, the great guidance and discipline debate. We hope we've answered questions that you have around discipline, things mm-hmm. that you do feel like are up for debate in your house, in your family, things you've been unsure about. Um, and hopefully we've brought a different perspective to discipline than just maybe what we always think of in terms of should I do this or should I do that? Um, that there's more things here. There's these unspoken influences that our emotions are going to play a role. And even the just the different, I mean, of course, the frameworks in the categories mm-hmm. of, you know, cooperative versus empathetic versus forceful versus proactive and reactive, right? There's a lot of different ways of looking at it. We hope that's something that you've picked up this season. One thing I'm not sure that we've said that as Barb was sharing kind of popped into my brain was that a part of the challenge with discipline is that we do believe that all kids have some basic rights, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about it in the episode where we talked about history. Yes. Uh, the United Nations put together that list of child rights and yes. um, that we need to honor those in our discipline, right? Children deserve to be safe, to be fed, to be sheltered and things like that. And so even though we have a pluralistic approach to parenting, we do believe there are basic rights that children mm-hmm. should have met. And um, so that's a part of what informs our discipline and guidance. Kids' age, all this stuff all comes together. But 
Barb tied that bow on it perfectly of she did. the love we have and that positive relationship is really the goal. That it we're is. raising kids into adults and mm -hmm. that we have this relationship with them for our lifetimes. We do. We do. Mm -hmm. So we Turn hope that we can shape their behavior into the kinds of adults we hope super cool, to be. The super cool humans they're gifted to be. Yes. yes, yes. That we're shaping that behavior, right? We're yes. not choosing it. Yes. We're shaping it. Yes. With our values. <laughs> so that's a wrap on season eight. And we're going to take a short break before we hop on to our next season. But we wanted to thank you for joining us today on the Science of Parenting podcast. And remember, you can join us on Facebook and Twitter. And on Twitter, it's at Science of Parent. And you can see our content uh, in your feed if you subscribe. And then you can stay also caught up with us in between seasons, uh, reading the blog, going back to seasons that you may have missed or wanted to hear again. So come back. Come back again. Mm -hmm. We will see you this summer. And in the meantime, please do come along with us as we tackle the ups and downs, the ins and outs, and the research and reality all around the science of parenting. The Science of Parenting is hosted by Lori Kothals and Mackenzie Johnson, produced by Mackenzie DeYoung, with research and writing by Barbara Dunn Swanson. Send in questions and comments to parenting at iastate.edu and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. This institution is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to www.extension.iastate.edu slash diversity slash ext.